This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Green Bay right now between the Packers and the Lions. Late in the first quarter, the Packers leading that game 6-3, to three, a win. And you are in scenario for Green Bay. Detroit trying to play the role of spoiler and trying to push the Seattle Seahawks into the playoffs, which would be as big a surprise as the Giants ultimately being in the postseason field. It is Pat O'Keefe with you until midnight, and we have plenty to discuss on this, the final week of the NFL regular season. 1-800-919-3776 if you wish to do so. It really was the culmination of a week, the likes of which we have never seen, and, and let's be honest, hopefully never will see again in the history of the NFL which really started last Monday night when DeMar Hamlin went down on the field in Cincinnati, and that was the dominant story in the sports world, obviously in the NFL all week long. And uh, really starting Wednesday, the news regarding Hamlin's status getting better and better and better, culminating with the fact that he was able to actually watch some of his team's game, the Buffalo Bills, play their season finale against the New England Patriots today. Watch the Bills beat the New England Patriots. And, I mean, you know, it's one of those moments and and one of those things that just kind of makes you smile and shake your head and and scratch your head and and, and really wonder um, when the Bills-Patriots game starts and Naheem Hines takes the opening kickoff for a touchdown, the opening kickoff after the week that the Buffalo Bills had starting with them standing in shock and worse than that in tears on that field last Monday night in Cincinnati. It was supposed to be the biggest game of the NFL season, and it culminated with just an absolute gut-wrenching of a night for the Buffalo Bills. And then to make it all the way back to their own field in front of a charged-up crowd today, something to play for, the number two seed in the AFC, and for the game to start the way it did with Hines returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown really was it was it, it was it was Hollywood-esque and then some and the Bills go on from there and the Patriots did put up a fight I think unfortunately for New England they just didn't have the horses in that matchup and the fact that the Bills had something to play for you kind of knew that New England didn't have much of a chance in this game Buffalo is just such a more talented team than the New England Patriots so that's how things started And uh, obviously, regarding the two local teams, it was, look, the way that the Giants and the Jets finished their regular seasons today was was kind of a microcosm of how they came down the stretch in these last six weeks of the season. Remember about six weeks ago, maybe a little less than that, four or five weeks ago, it was the Jets that were the, the hot team of the two locals and the team that we thought was trending upward with Mike White as their starting quarterback, paired with that defense that had really come into its own pretty early on this season and come together, their young, talented, stout defense. And it was a Jets team that was being looked at as one that would probably find its way into the playoffs and would be a team that division winners would not want to see in the first round of the playoffs, whether it be the Chiefs or whether it be the Bills or whether it be the Bengals or whether it be the Jaguars or the Titans. The Jets were seen as a team that one of these top higher seeds would not want to see in the first round of the playoffs. And they get to 7-4, and four, the Mike White game, and, and that might be what it's referred to for the rest of time because we don't know where this franchise is going regarding its quarterback position. From here on out, the Mike White game, after that game, 
You hope the Mike White game would have multiple meanings. But it's starting to look like it might be that Chicago Bears game in November, his first start. When he came out, he threw for three touchdowns. He threw for 300 yards. He set the franchise on a course towards the playoffs. And I was hosting this exact show that night. And the calls that were coming in, I mean, the Jets had found their guy. That was the only thing they were missing was competent play at the quarterback position. You know, he didn't need to be Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. You just needed competence, which is what you were not getting from Zach Wilson. And then, unfortunately, the schedule got tougher. Games in Minnesota and Buffalo. He gets hurt in Buffalo and was never able to fully make it back and be as effective as he was in that Chicago game. And who would have guessed? Who would have bet? Who would have known that that would have been the Jets' last win of the season? And we'll get into the Jets a lot tonight. And the Giants as well, because I was really impressed with what the Giants did on Sunday night to close out their regular season. I thought, and this goes along with how they finished the regular season, and really played the whole year. I thought the Giants handled the situation they were in as well as they could have, considering what they had to gain and what they had to lose. But first on the Jets, it's amazing to think that that is going to be their their last win of this season. And there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, the obvious way, the, the, the glass half full way is this. This is, if you're looking ahead towards next year, and it's time to do that for the Jets, unfortunately. We're, we're certainly used to doing that as uh, Jet fans or people who follow this franchise. But as you're looking towards uh, next season, the Jets right now, the foundation for this team going forward is in a much, much, much better place than it has been at any point over the last six or seven years at least, and possibly more than that. So that's the... That's the positive spin on this thing. You know, if it's the old saying, and you heard it said a lot this week. If you told a Jets fan at the beginning of the season that the team would win seven games. Look, they won, they won two games two years ago and got the number two pick in the draft. Last year, they won four games. So if you told a Jets fan their team would win seven games this year and in week 17 would not only still be alive for a spot in the playoffs, but the path to the playoffs would be somewhat realistic. I mean, think about it. The Jets just needed to beat the Seahawks, who were beatable, and beat the Dolphins, who the Jets almost beat with their third-string quarterback today, and have the Patriots lose at least one game, which happened today. So it's not like it was a pie-in-the-sky scenario at the beginning of last week. So if you told a Jets fan at the beginning of the year, your team's going to win seven games, and in the second to last week of the season, you'll have a realistic shot if things break your way of making the playoffs. I think every Jets fan would have signed for that. Almost every Jets fan would have signed for that, considering where this franchise has gone. We spoke about the Jets in the beginning of the season and wanted to see progress. You cannot deny that we saw plenty of progress in plenty of areas this season. All right? But then the other part of this is just the way the season ended. You know, winning seven games and going 7-10 and 10 after you've gone 2-14 and 14 and 4-13 and 13 in the previous two seasons. Going 7-10, and 10, no matter how you slice it, almost every way you slice it is a positive thing. The only scenario in which it can't be really viewed as a positive is when your 7-10 and 10 was once 7-4. and four. 
You know, and I hate to say, I'm not going to say same old Jets. I just said it. But it, it, it does have the stench of that. You leave it to this franchise to take all of those positives, all of those potential perceived positives. And, and, and they're more than perceived and they're more than potential. There are positives. They have a defense. Most of the season, they had one of the top five defenses in the NFL. Garrett Wilson, I've been saying all season long, has the potential to be a top, top flight wide receiver in this league. I'm talking under the right system and with the right quarterback, obviously, a top five wide receiver. And you saw him today. I mean, he was a one-man band today. He was their only source of offense. And I'm glad he didn't hurt himself because he was going all out today. And we respect teams going all out who don't have something to play for for themselves in terms of playoffs, like the Jets, like the Giants. And the Giants players who played today went all out, like the Lions are doing right now, like the Los Angeles Rams did against the Seahawks. Those teams went all out, but you don't want to go all out. Like Garrett Wilson, that, that last drive, when he's, he's the only guy who has even the chance to get open for Joe Flacco. I, I thought one of those plays along the sideline when he caught the ball, he, he twisted his body in such a way he was trying so hard to make a play. I thought for a second he was going to hurt himself, and I'm glad he didn't. But he's, he's phenomenal. He is a phenomenal talent. And just as a quick aside, if anybody's sitting and thinking he's never going to be a top-five wide receiver – because he doesn't have a top-flight quarterback. You don't need a top-flight quarterback because who's the best wide receiver in the NFL? I think it's Justin Jefferson. Is he playing with a top-five quarterback? Is he playing with a top-ten quarterback? No, he makes Kirk Cousins a borderline top-ten quarterback. But he's not playing with Mahomes or Allen or Burrow either or Rodgers or Brady. All right? Garrett Wilson... I have said this all along, has the potential to be in the Jefferson and Jamar Chase conversation in the not-too-distant future if they can find the right guy at quarterback. And that all comes back to that. It comes back to really, look, the, 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 the common thought in football is that the three most important positions are in one order or another, owner, head coach, and quarterback. And the most successful franchise of this century had Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in those three roles for 20 years. And it's no coincidence that they had those three positions locked up and they won seven Super Bowls this century and went to 10 of them. The Jets... How many of those three do they have? Now, the owner's the, the, the most difficult to change, so let's put that aside. All right? Of coach and of quarterback. How many of those positions, if you're a Jets fan, are you comfortable with? Are you happy with right now? Is it two? It can't be two. Because I, I can't imagine anybody who's listening to this show with a pulse is happy with the Jets quarterback position right now. Is it one? Or is it zero? As I'm watching the Jets and then the Giants play today, and I'm watching Robert Sala, his team once again put up a fight. The Dolphins had a bad third-string quarterback playing. Then they lose Tyreek Hill for a lot of that game. And 
the Jets were still unable to put the ball in the end zone for now 11 straight quarters. And at a certain point, you're watching Robert Salas' team put up another fight and once again lose, which is what they have done recently. Although last week they didn't really put up much of a fight in Seattle. And they didn't put up much of a fight against Jacksonville. But they put up a fight against Detroit. They put up a fight against Buffalo. They put up a fight against Minnesota, which was the loss that started this season-ending six-game losing streak. That's how they finished the season. So in four of their final six games, um, they did put up a fight, including today. They just did not have the horses on offense. But at some point, and I know Brian Dayball didn't win his game today, but the Eagles were the best team in the NFL all season long. And they had a quarterback who for much of the season was considered among the top three candidates for most valuable player. Now, he's not 100%, but he did come back today. They have what is probably right now the best wide receiver duo in the NFL in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They had their guys. They were playing to win the game. And then you look at the Giants with Davis Webb, and you look at the Giants with Matt Breida, Obviously, Saquon wasn't playing. Daniel Jones wasn't playing. Andrew Thomas wasn't playing. The Giants, for much of that game, it looked like they took a knife to a gunfight, especially in the first half. But at some point, and this is what Brian Dayball has done all season long since the very first game against Tennessee. At some point, as a head coach, your job, you have to do a better job swaying the results of a game. And Brian Dayball, all season long, except for a couple of rare occurrences, namely the first game against Philadelphia, for the most part has found a way to A, keep his team in the game, and B, more often than not, win games that they probably don't have the talent level to win. Tennessee, Green Bay, Washington, Baltimore, Jacksonville. These are all games that were tight games that Brian Dayball kept his team in and his coaching and Wink Martindale's coaching helped sway the outcome in the Giants' favor. And today was an example of that. I know they didn't win the game, but they were 14-point underdogs. Philadelphia showed up at that stadium wanting to play Jalen Hurts for a half Put him on ice for the next week and a half, and we'll see you in the divisional round of the playoffs after we lock up our first round bye by halftime. And the Giants and Brian Dayball and Davis Webb and Wink Martindale and the Giants defense would not allow that to happen. Hurts had to play the entire game. That's not what Philadelphia wanted, but that is coaching. That's where this team is. Even in defeat, the Giants show you something. And to bring it back to where the Jets are with their head coach, when... When have we seen that with Salah? I know he built a terrific defense, and he deserves credit for that. He's got a defensive pedigree. He was the defensive coordinator as a team that had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl not too long ago. And he came to New York, and he had an awful defense in his first year, and in his second year, he had one of the best 5-10 to defenses in the NFL. He deserves credit for that. But as far as 
coaching the entire team. The offense, the quarterback, the game management. When has Salah ever made a positive difference in the outcome of a game for the Jets? I just listed six examples of when Dable did that in his first year as the Giants coach. You don't get that from Salah. If you're going to be a long-standing head coach in this league, you've got to figure out to, a way to win one of those final six games with that defense. I know the quarterback position was a shambles, especially after you lost White, and then you lost White the second time, and Zach Wilson's confidence was shot. And we'll get into Zach Wilson because his confidence was shot, and he was completely mishandled as well. And this is the shame of a Jets season that we should be celebrating as positive steps having been taken. But because they lost their last six games of the season and their last three games, they scored three points, six points, and six points. They scored 15 points over the final three weeks of the season. Because the season ended in that fashion, we can't help but focus on the negative. There's plenty of time to focus on the positive, and there are plenty of positives to focus on and take into next year. But right here, week 18, 7-10, six-game losing streak, 11-6 loss in the season finale. It's very hard to look at the positives the way this season ended. If you feel differently, let me know. But as those three positions... Owner, and we'll put him aside because Woody Johnson's not going anywhere. It's his team, all right? So head coach and quarterback for the New York Jets. How many of those positions are you happy with right now? 1-800-919-3776. We'll go through the entire uh, week 18 in the NFL. Green Bay is leading Detroit 9-3. to They're midway through the second quarter. It's frigid cold at Lambeau. It was 24 degrees at kickoff. The Lions are not a cold-weather team. And Jared Goff, a California boy, is not a cold-weather quarterback. They're hanging in there now. Uh, They have the ball trailing by six, the final game of the NFL regular season. We we have plenty to get to. Uh, We'll go through that Giants game. Uh, We'll go through the playoff pairings. If you don't know by now, the Giants are going to face Minnesota in the wild card round. Uh, just a couple of weeks after they lost on the last second field goal on Christmas Eve. So it's uh, Pat O'Keefe up until midnight here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Uh, Pittsburgh finishes uh, the season with a 9-8 and record, beating the Browns 28-14. to Mike Tomlin, amazingly, still has never, never had a losing record in his career. So the Steelers were waiting for the end of that Jets-Dolphins game, which was tied at six, and then Miami gets a uh, completion and then a horse-collar 15-yard personal foul penalty that helps get them right on the edge of uh, Jason Sanders' field goal range, and he nailed a 50-yarder with 18 seconds to go to put the Dolphins up 9-6, to six. and you knew at that point and the Jets had no timeouts. 18 seconds to go, Joe Flacco and that Jets offense. The game was over. Uh people who uh, had a financial interest on that game got a really, really bad beat on the last play. Uh, Yeah, when the Jets tried the old lateral, which never works, just ask the New England Patriots because that literally cost them a spot in this year's playoffs, what they did against Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, what would have been a 9-6 Jet loss turned into an 11-6 Jet loss, and that turned around the fortunes uh, of many. So Miami 
with their third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, and who knows who's going to start next week, gets the seventh seed. So your AFC matchups, Dolphins at the Bills. Uh, the Ravens, once again, in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And then the 4-5 matchup, probably the most intriguing of these three in the AFC, has the Chargers visiting the Jaguars. Great quarterback matchup in that one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was really good this year in his second season. Wasn't great last night in a big spot, but I think it's going to be a learning experience and certainly something he builds on. A lot of quarterback questions in the other two games. Obviously, you have Allen with Buffalo, but who's going to be playing quarterback for Miami? It's most likely not going to be Tua. Who knows about Teddy Bridgewater? So are the Dolphins actually going into the playoffs with Skylar Thompson as their starting quarterback? We might see him start a playoff game. Uh, and then with the... Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson not having played in the last five weeks. Has he been saving it for the playoffs? Is this a ploy for him to um, get his contract that has been a, a, a source of discontent for this entire season? Who knows? But a, a big question at quarterback for Baltimore and a big question at quarterback for Miami. And then, of course, the Jets once again uh, on the outside looking in. All right, let's open up the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Julio from Westchester has been waiting patiently. Julio, how you doing tonight? Hey, what's up, Pat? Happy New Year to you and your family. You too. Thank you. Um, so a couple of things, obviously. Um, a realistic Jet fan. I'm, I'm just going to do this real quick. Um, let's go back to preseason. Uh, Joe Douglas, I'm assuming he had all the calls on this. So we, we draft a uh, quarterback from BYU, uh, you know, an understanding that he didn't play any top 25 teams. Um, we, we hire a rookie coach that's a defensive coach and then a rookie OC and no veteran backup. It, it was a recipe made for disaster from the beginning. On top of that, Okay, and, and a lot of Jet fans are going to hate me for this. They destroyed Zach Wilson, okay? Pulling him, putting him in, pulling him, putting him in. If you saw at the end of the – towards the middle of the game, excuse me, where Mike White in street clothes was looking at the pad, Joe Flacco, who's going to retire in about 20 minutes, looking at the pad, and there's Zach Wilson was just staring at his knuckles with no pad in his hand. Mm -hmm. This all comes from the head coach. Go back to Detroit. Go back to the Jaguars. Uh, missed time management, and no one talks about Seattle because Mike White looked 75% in that first quarter. Towards the end of that first quarter, his ribs started hurting him, and his throws were either underthrown by five yards or overthrown by five yards. That's on the head coach, and when you have a head coach who's a defensive coordinator, it doesn't work. Well, you have a head coach who's a defensive coordinator. You need an experience. You, you're, you're spot on about the Zach defensive head coach, rookie offensive coordinator point. Spot on. And look, in, in the moment, you don't realize this. Last year, I don't think we made a lot of it because really there were no expectations for the Jets last season. You just wanted to see them build somewhat of a solid foundation last year. And frankly, they didn't which is why there were very low expectations this year. But this year, those low expectations were quickly raised when we saw, and this is where Joe Douglas deserves credit, and I have given him this, and so have a lot of other people, rightfully so. But when we saw that there's a lot of talent, there's playoff caliber talent in a lot of other places on this roster. Okay? But by that, po that point, it's now the 
defensive-minded head coach and the inexperienced offensive coordinator and the inexperienced second-year starting quarterback, they were not ready for prime time. They were not ready to give this franchise what it needed to complement the defense, to complement the running game, to complement the wide receiving weapons. The coach, coordinator, quarterback were not nearly on the same level as the rest of the franchise. And unfortunately, the quarterback position and his performance is tied to the head coach and to the offensive coordinator. It's We know it's the most important position. So you could have the greatest defense in the world. You could have a phenomenal running attack led by Brees Hall before he got hurt. You could have these young, developing, exciting, intriguing weapons on the outside led by Garrett Wilson, who was the real deal from day one if he was playing with a competent enough quarterback. But unfortunately, he wasn't. And you don't need, and we all know this. This is like this is obvious. This isn't me breaking news. I've said this. Other people have said this exact point. You don't need top, with, with what the Jets had, you don't need top flight quarterback play to get into the playoffs. They needed adequate, average quarterback play. They needed what Mike White was before he got hurt. They needed what Daniel Jones was for the Giants this year. And Jones, if we're being honest, was better than average this year. They need what Kirk Cousins has been his entire career. Kirk Cousins has never been a detriment to his team. Now, is he the kind of guy who has gotten his team over the top? He's not. That's not who he is. But he has never been a detriment to his team. And once again, he's going to the playoffs, and his team is going to the playoffs. The Jets never had that. And the way the Zach Wilson situation was handled, and it's something that I've reflected on a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks when it became evident that we're probably not going to see him again this season and maybe never see him again in a Jets uniform, it was mismanaged. Look at the Giants this year. All right, the Giants... And I hate to keep bringing it back to the Giants. And it's not about the Giants versus the Jets. But as I say all the time, we have two teams in this town. They started the season both at the bottom of the pecking order in the NFL. All right. So they were both they've both lived in the same neighborhood for the last five years. They've over the last five years before this season, the Jets and the Giants had the two worst records in the NFL over that time frame. So the we comparisons, suck. the comparisons are legit. All right? Thank you, Torts. The comparisons are legit. It's not like I'm comparing the Jets to what the Chiefs have been the last five years. All right? Jets started the season low expectations. Giants started the season, I think, with lower expectations. Giants hire an offensive-minded head coach. Jets hired a defensive-minded head coach. All right, that's fine. What did the Giants do on Dable's quote-unquote weak side of the ball? Who did they bring in? They brought in Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator. Veteran, respected, Long track record of success with top defenses in the NFL, coached in big games, knows how to run a defense, knows how to handle different levels of talent and personnel. That's who the Giants brought in to complement their offensive-minded head coach. The Jets took a shot on Salah. A lot of teams do that. He was the quote-unquote hot, young, successful assistant. Hot in terms of his success with the 49ers, not his looks, by the way. That's who Salah was. 
And then they complemented that by basically bringing in a carbon copy of Salah with Mike LaFleur, a young, inexperienced offensive coordinator. And then, and our caller's absolutely right, the trifecta here is that you bring in as inexperienced a high draft pick quarterback as you could find outside of Trey Lance. The only top three quarterback I've ever seen with less experience in college coming into the league than Zach Wilson was Trey Lance, who played like four college games in North Dakota. Wilson played one season as a starting quarterback and did not play for a power conference and did not play any top 25 teams. You put all of those, they expected those three guys to grow together and they would have plenty of time to grow into their roles. That's what the hope was. Two or three years to grow into their roles. Well, something happened in year two. Something happened very early in year two. It became evident that the rest of the team was ready to win and go to the playoffs. Now what are you going to do with the quarterback position? And they panicked. They panicked. He played poorly. I think they... I shouldn't say I think. Well, I should say I think. I'm not in that locker room. They, in my opinion, they caved to bad body language from some of their young players on defense, from some of their young wide receivers. They certainly caved to public pressure. Zach Wilson's asinine press conference, one-word answer, after the New England loss, greased the skids. And then from that moment on, you might as well have just put him on ice for the rest of the year because his confidence was absolutely shot. How did he get better from that? You know, how did he? And I'm not saying you should have punted the season. You shouldn't have. When you have a team that can go to the playoffs and you haven't been to the playoffs in more than a decade, you've got to try to take your shot to go to the playoffs. But how did Zach Wilson get better from that point on? And the whole thing was mismanaged. So now you have the disappointment of how this season ended. And then on top of that, where are you with the most important position on the field? We'll get into that and plenty more. Some reaction from the Jets as their season comes to an end and your calls as well at 1-800-919-3776. Connor Rogers, uh, who's on the Jets pre- and post-game show on SNY, will join me at the top of the next hour, kind of a post-mortem on the season. Where does he see this franchise going this year and beyond? It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. That Their season started out 8-0, before they lost their first game to Washington. And then at one point, they were 13-1 and coming into uh, their game on Christmas Eve against Dallas. It seemed like a formality that the Eagles would wrap up the number one seed with plenty of time to spare. And they didn't really do that until they recovered an onside kick inside the final two minutes uh, against the Giants today, holding off the Giants 22-16. to uh, Davis Webb made his first career start completed his first pass, threw his first touchdown pass, and he got better as the game went along. I mean, the overall numbers, 23 for 40, 168 yards, a touchdown, uh, did not turn the ball over, didn't throw an interception, ran for a touchdown, which was a beautiful run in which he trucked the rookie safety for Philadelphia at about the two-yard line and completely ran him over. I mean, the entire run, and that's one that he'll remember for the rest of his life, but the entire run, I mean, really, the run, the touchdown run that Webb had and the touchdown pass that he threw 
They're, those are all-time plays. And who knows? This guy was offered a quarterback coaching job last year in Buffalo. So is this his last, his one and only appearance as an NFL starting quarterback? It might be. If it is, he literally left it all out on the field. Um, and it, it had the makings of a guy who this is his one shot and he wasn't going to let it pass, and good for him. And he gave the best team in the NFC all it could handle. And again, the Giants got to within six and had an onside kick inside the final two minutes that Philadelphia recovered. Uh, so Webb throws for a touchdown. And of all people, of all people, not only did he throw the touchdown to Kenny Galladay, but it was one of the most incredible touchdown catches I've ever seen. And, I mean, if that doesn't sum up Kenny Galladay's tenure in New York, I don't know what does. Because they signed into that $72 million contract. He was a huge disappointment his first year and a colossal disappointment his second year. And it culminates with him making this one-handed catch in the back corner of the end zone when it was one of the most blatant examples of pass interference I've ever seen. Well, maybe that's a little too strong. But it was pass interference. The defender draped all over him. By the way, I don't think I saw any flags thrown on the play. It doesn't matter because he caught the ball. It was an incredible catch. Um, unfortunately, people like me and people like Jordan Renan and uh, people who cover and follow the team can no longer say that Kenny Galladay never scored a touchdown in two years as a giant. And <laughs> I mean, look, I here, here's my thought on that. I would not put it past Brian Dayball to use Kenny Galladay next week in the playoffs against Minnesota. He's still, talent-wise, the most talented receiver the Giants have on their roster. He's the highest-paid receiver on their roster. I think he's the highest-paid player on their roster. I wouldn't put it past Brian. Brian Dable has no ego. Brian Dable is about winning. If he saw something in Galladay today and thinks he can tap into any confidence that he may have gained with his performance today. He made two catches, including that incredible 25-yard touchdown reception. It is not beneath Brian Dable to try to use him next week. So the Giants give the Eagles all they can handle. Now, the good sign for the Eagles, number one, they lock up the number one seed. They have a bye next week, which means they can rest Jalen Hurts uh, for an extra week. Hertz was fine. He wasn't great. I don't think that, you know, he wasn't the Jalen Hurts who was an MVP candidate this year. They didn't want him running too much. They don't want to use him too much with his legs. So it was a very conservative game plan for Jalen Hurts. And I also think that was a big reason why the game was as close as it was. It wasn't just that the Giants were up for the task and Philadelphia was sleepwalking. I don't think they opened the full playbook for Jalen Hurts. I think they asked him to do just enough to get the win because that's all that Philadelphia needed. But Philadelphia's two weapons on the outside are, are dangerous. A.J. Brown, four catches for 95 yards. Devontae Smith, seven for 67. Um... Miles Sanders and Boston Scott as their running back combination. And then the Philadelphia defense is terrific. Giants had a very difficult time moving the ball for about three quarters of this game. And then they, they hit a couple of big plays. I mean, this was – you might as well have put Daniel Jones in for Davis Webb because this was a very similar Giants attack 
Giants game plan that we've seen all season long. So the Giants finished the regular season 9-7-1, and and as we knew going into this game, they were and are locked in as the number six seed. Eagles are 14-3, and number one seed, and they get the first round bye. Now, San Francisco, which still has not lost with Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback, they blow out the Cardinals 38-13. to So the Niners finish the season 13-4. and And by the way, they're going to the locker room at halftime in Lambeau. And Green Bay has a 9-6 lead over the Lions. And Detroit will receive the second-half kickoff. So the Niners beat the Cardinals 38-13. to Brock Purdy still hasn't lost. 15 out of 20. He throws for three touchdowns and has a 141 quarterback rating. So the Niners will play the either the Packers or the Seahawks, depending on the outcome of this Sunday night game. Um, the number three seed is Minnesota. They beat the Bears 29-13. Vikings also 13-4. They'll play the Giants next weekend in Minneapolis. And the Buccaneers, which had wrapped up the number four seed in the NFC South Division title last week, will play the Cowboys. And, boy, the Cowboys are really limping home. Cowboys lose today. They played their guys because the Eagles never put the Giants away. So Dallas played Dak in this game and played to win against Washington, and they were blown out by Sam Howell and the Commanders, 26-6. to I mean, good for Ron Rivera, I got to say, takes. Ron Rivera is spoken about as if he's Rich Kotite. You know, this is a Commanders team that has the worst – Stadium situation in the NFL, worst owner in the NFL. You hear more about lawsuits and public hearings with this franchise than anything else. And they finished the season 8-8-1 eight, eight, and, and could have easily, if let's just say hypothetically, and we, we all are praising Brian Dayball and the Giants for this great season they enjoyed. But let's say that flag is thrown on fourth down on that Sunday night game a couple of weeks ago in the Giants game and the Commanders win that game. Well, then they're the team that's 9-7-1 and one, and the number six seed in the NFC, so they were that close. So good for Rivera for, despite everything that they had going on, they had no quarterback. I mean, they played, they start with Carson Wentz, which you knew was going to be a mistake, and then Taylor Heineke, they squeeze every last drop out of him. Did they find something with Sam Howell? Who knows? He was a highly touted quarterback at North Carolina last year. In his first start, he beats the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was awful again. And I've been saying this, for weeks. I don't trust Dak. I don't. You know, the week between Christmas and New Year's, I was uh, on D, uh, DiPietro and Rothenberg. I was going to say DCR. That was a while ago. Uh, DiPietro and Rothenberg, the week between um, Christmas and New Year's. And, and, you know, I'm doing the the list of where I rank Daniel Jones among the quarterbacks in the NFL. I put Daniel Jones ahead of Dak Prescott. And I have Cowboy fans on Twitter and calling me up saying I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. Dak, Dak Prescott threw 23 incomplete passes today. He threw 37 passes today for 128 yards. That's like that's like three yards an attempt. That's awful. He had a quarterback rating of 45. How about them Cowboys? They went 12-5. and five. They actually had a chance at the start of the day to be the number one seed in the NFC if things broke the right way. If... The Eagles lost to the Giants, and if the 49ers lost, and if the 
Vikings lost. So I don't even think the Vikings had to lose. But Dallas had to beat Washington, which had nothing to play for and was starting their rookie quarterback because they had nothing to play for. And you go down to Washington and you get blown out 26-6. to And I'm sorry, I know the Bucs finished below 500, and we always laugh at division-winning teams that finished below 500. But Tom Brady, I, I have news for Cowboys fans. Tom Brady doesn't lose in the wild card round. I, I don't think he ever has. Tom Brady plays a bad season for Tom Brady is losing in the divisional round. So if you think that Dallas is going to go down to Tampa, and they have to go to Tampa because the Bucs won the division, if you think Dallas is going to go down to Tampa and walk all over Tom Brady next week, you're crazy. The Bucs the last couple of weeks, and more importantly, Tom Brady the last couple of weeks, figured out what he needs to do to win close games. They're not going to blow anybody out, and I don't know if they're going to have much of a season beyond next week. You know, but if they beat the Cowboys, their second-round matchup could be against, I don't see them beating the 49ers. They got killed by them when they went out there about a month ago. Could they beat the Vikings? Sure. So, Dallas is in a tough spot right now. And I haven't even mentioned Mike McCarthy yet as their head coach. So, that's the NFC matchups. You got... You got Dallas visiting Tampa. You got the Giants visiting Minnesota. And then you have either the Packers or the Seahawks visiting the 49ers next week. And if I'm San Francisco, I don't I don't, I don't want to see Green Bay. I think they beat either team, Seattle or the Packers. But I'd rather face Seattle. I think everybody would rather face Seattle. I mean, if Rodgers is in that game, that means... They would have come in on a five-game winning streak, and it's still Aaron Rodgers, just like it's still Tom Brady. So that's the NFC playoff picture. So the Giants, even in defeat, uh, 22-16, to did really essentially what they did all season long to build their 9-7-1 their record. Um, they kept it close. The team they were playing today, in this case, was just too talented. Um, yeah, and it's funny because you see Dable with, with the kitchen sink, the, the onsides kick at the start of the second half, uh, the fake field goal, which I don't think was a fake field goal because, <laughs> um, Gillen was just running around with the ball and it didn't really look like a designed fake field goal. But, um, you know, Dable knew that everything kind of had to go perfectly and he'd have to pull a couple of tricks out of his bag and, and I think he also took the opportunity in a game that he didn't have to have to try a couple of things out. And that's what a good, smart head coach does. I think he played this the absolute right way. You know, all the debate this week, and, and you know, it's almost like what Tom Coughlin did in 2007, that Week 17 game against the 16-0 Pats, losing 38-35 and playing all his guys, even though the Giants were already locked into the fifth seed in the playoffs that year and they had nothing to gain. That kind of like ruined it for any future Giants coach in this scenario because now you're always going to be compared to Tom Coughlin. I have news for you. I'm fairly confident in saying this, that back in 2007, if the Patriots weren't 15-0 and going for a historic undefeated season, I don't think Coughlin would have played it the same way. 
So Dayball didn't need to do what Coughlin did because the situations were completely different. Philadelphia trying to lock up a number one seed is not the same thing as the Patriots trying to become the first team to ever finish a regular season 16-0. That was historic. This is common. So Dayball played it absolutely right. If I'm the Giants, I didn't want to see Jones. I didn't want, and he rested all the right guys. I didn't want to see Dexter Lawrence, Ojolari, Julian Love, Andrew Thomas, Saquon. I mean, he picked the eight most important guys or guys that are compromised health-wise right now, and he put them on ice for the game. And the playoffs begin next week for the Giants. What's next for the Jets? We'll talk to Connor Rogers about that and more of your calls as well as we continue on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show.